Welcome to the Andy Staple Show presented by Sling. I am joined by Max Olson, Ari Wasserman, and my blender. Ari's somewhere in there. He, he was with us. He was talking. Now now he's now he's hiding from us because yeah I don't know what happens every time like we go down and then come back in my t- camera shuts off it's, but it's, I think that's probably a nice little thirty second break from the people who uh, you know need a break from my face so build, build in the anticipation for your parents I like yes it. yes exactly. I, I like that it, yeah. exactly so we got a big show today Nick Saban got paid Ari spent the day with Ohio State. And Max had an incredible story on Adrian Martinez, and we are going to put something Adrian Martinez said in that story to the test. For those who don't remember, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska's starting quarterback for four years. He's since transferred to Kansas State. Max, uh, let's let's talk about Adrian's jaw last year. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> one of those kind of stories behind the story there that people didn't totally know at the time it was happening. But uh, last year, Nebraska... Uh, plays a, a big night road game at Michigan State. Uh, very even game. Um, pretty pretty wild to go back and rewatch, knowing what you know now. But uh, first first drive of the game, Adrian Martinez gets uh, gets smacked in the head uh, by a safety and breaks his jaw. Doesn't Played realize the whole game, he bro- by the way. Yes, so he goes to the locker room. Scans don't say much. He misses one drive on offense. Goes back out. Plays the rest of the game with a broken jaw. And uh, almost wins it. And then the doctors figure out a way, you know, you should probably get your jaw wired shut or have surgery or kind of be shut down for the rest of the season. And instead they figure out a way to let him keep playing by uh, wire, you know, using elastic bands to uh, hold his jaw together. And uh, he didn't miss a game <laughs> and uh, played, played his next five games, uh, obviously an up and down run there. Uh, but uh, he was, he was playing through it. And even, uh, when Nebraska had press conferences during the week and after games, he would take the elastic bands out and uh, try not to open his mouth too much and show what was going on there. And uh, they they somehow he got away. With, I mean, he got hit in the, the mouth a few times in the games that happened after. But uh, yeah, Adrian Martinez, pretty, pretty tough SOB in terms of what he yeah. dealt with last season just to try and give Nebraska a chance to play in all those close games. And this yeah. required nourishment early on with the jaw wired shut. And that nourishment had to be liquefied. It did. He uh, he did a lot of experimenting, Max. He did. Yeah, you you know you you, you would think smoothies. I, I know he liked uh, eggs. Eggs can be pretty. You know, you can do that pretty soft. Uh, avocado. There's there's a few things you can try and choose. Early on, it had to be an all liquid diet, and then they kind of figured out some soft foods. But you know, at Nebraska, they're they're. They've got a nice little training table there, Andy, and uh, they're going to cook up steaks for the entire team. And uh, Adrian Martinez attempted to take one of those steaks and consume it in a non-solid form. So liquid steak. And how? what, what did he think of this liquid steak? He took a magic bullet. He put a steak in it. I think he put water in it. He said it was the worst thing he's ever eaten. I got to test this theory. This is what I was thinking. We, uh, originally, we, ta- we talked about this. And Nicole Auerbach's idea was make Ari do it if he loses a bet. Which yeah. definitely would have happened, by the way. And, and I was thinking Ooh, about this. Yeah. Like, we make Ari the guinea pig so many times on this show. It's not fair. And I do enjoy a steak. And so I am willing to take the risk that it's bad because it might be good. And so tonight on the show, we're going to attempt to try liquid steak. We're going to see, is this good? Is this terrible? 
Is it something in between? So you, you texted have, me today and you said, yeah, I think I should make Ari do that as a bet. And then very quickly after that, you somehow got very enthusiastic about just doing it today. I yeah. just felt so bad. Give us, give us your thinking here. I felt bad because my first, it, it, it did occur to me that my first thought is always, oh, we can make Ari do this. Mm. <laughs> and I just don't think that's fair. You know, you think that you would have gotten to the mountaintop with the, with the chip. But what it, what that what that did was it wasn't a significant amount of torture or it was a lot of torture, but it wasn't enough to make Andy be like, we'll give him a break. It was like, we got to find more ways to make him do that. Something like that again. Yeah. So um, I'm happy that you're going to do this for us. And this you're, this is actually more of an Andy challenge. It but is. I will say before you blend this thing up, guys, that like a few weeks ago before I read your story, Max, I think I slept on my jaw wrong because mm-hmm. I thought I had like uh, I was going to have to go to the dentist because it was really hurting when I was chewing and it was bothering me all day. And it just turned out that like I think I slept on the on the jaw part wrong, and I and was uncomfortable for like thirty six hours, and I was miserable. Yeah. I cannot ma- imagine not only you know having your br- jaw broken and having these wire the, these bands in your mouth, but playing football. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't a, even how. So they crank these screws into your gums. Um, yeah. Six screws cranked into his gums, and they they use elastic bands between them. And because, you know, you need the elastic bands, I think he wore them for six to eight weeks to to try and let this thing sort of heal and, and keep it in place. Because of that, he said he didn't wear a mouthpiece when he played because he needed to leave the elastic bands in. So uh, all in all, uh, not the safest uh, way to go as a quarterback who has to do everything for your offense. Who cleared this? <laughs> I guess the doctors, but, you know. Uh, this uh, is, yeah. I mean, that's that is seriously tough. And that's why... Yeah. Kansas State is kind of my dark horse team in the Big 12. I, I'm probably going to pick Oklahoma to win it. And and we'll talk later because, Max, I want to bring you into a little bit of the Heisman discussion we had on yeah. Tuesday's show because we, we we figured with the BetMGM odds that, that Dylan Gabriel felt like the most value. But, you know, Adrian Martinez in Kansas State, there's a lot of talent on that team. You know, they have a, a very good offensive tackle. They have – one of the best pass rushers in the country. Deuce Vaughn is one of the most dynamic backs in the country. So this is a team that could really surprise people. And, you know, I just, given everything Adrian Martinez has been through, and, and, and you really detailed that well in your story, because this is a guy who came in with Scott Frost at Nebraska, kind of the hopes and dreams of, of Nebraska placed on him as a freshman, and it didn't work out there. And he gets one more chance to show, hey, I can be a good quarterback. I can go play in the NFL. And I'm I'm excited to get a chance to watch him. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting um I think people are going to really find out a lot about him and and he knows like there's there's a lot that he has to prove um because that's part of the Nebraska experiences. They went 15 and 29 during his 4 years and he went to K-State cuz he wants to go to a bowl game. He's tired of losing and he wants to go kind of show the the kind of player that he can be and I think that you know, it's it helps a ton when you can just turn and hand the ball to Deuce Vaughn and and kind of have that. Nebraska just didn't have that consistency in the run game for the last three years. Um, they've got good pieces on defense. I think they've got a good O line, improving receiving core. Uh, yeah, I think K State has kind of become this this popular dark horse for the Big Twelve race. And you know, for Adrian Martinez, you've got to be consistent for twelve games and stay healthy. I mean, he just ha- he's dealt with so many injuries during his career, uh, taking so many hits from having to be the guy that that runs the ball all the time in that offense and. Um, I think he wants to kind of take that step and prove he can be an NFL passer. And 
I'm sure there's a lot of fans who've watched over the last four years and are skeptical, but uh, it's going to be a pretty cool deal to, to see can he and Colin Klein really click and, and find some things that really highlight what he does well and and, and kind of hide some of the deficiencies. The thing Ten years after Colin was. Klein's run to, right. to Heisman finalist and, and they won the Big 12 and played in the Fiesta Bowl and uh, it, it feels not like 10 years since then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the most interesting thing, Max, and I know you, you got a really good view of this, is that when Adrian Martinez is clicking, he's one of the most exciting players in the country that you know we've seen the last five years. Like when it's really going well there for him. And I think you you mentioned this in your story a little bit, but like the turnovers, like if he could lock that up and, and kind of find that magic, like I, I think he could be a really, really exciting. I don't know about, you know, NFL, like how high of a draft pick he would become, right. but he's an excellent college player. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you've seen and, and are you've seen some of them close just in terms yeah. of like maybe how he's played against Ohio State a couple of yeah. times. Like that guy has shown up in big games, you know, last year against Michigan, Michigan State. Um, you know, he, 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 Oklahoma last year wasn't his greatest game, but still kept a minute. Like, you know, the guy has, has had, like, if you just put together the highlight reel, the big plays, he's had a bunch. Um, but it's just that four quarter consistency that there hasn't been a lot of the past few years. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to find out, I mean, how much of that is just the issues in Nebraska, how much of that is, um, you know, can, can he, can he kind of solve the problem that he's had of, of, yeah, 48, total turnovers over four seasons. Uh, that number is just way too high. And, you know, K-State's, they've, they've, they've got a good team. They've got good quarterbacks in their room. Like, if you're turning it over a bunch, you're, you know, you're going to get benched. I mean, the, Nebraska couldn't really do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so he, he's he got to play to their standard at K-State. And I think that um, from, from my talks with him, he, I, I think it's really bringing out the best in him because it has to. So we're going to we're going to test one of his theories, and that is that liquid steak is the worst thing he's ever eaten. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, uh, that's his opinion. Uh, but I want to know, what does liquid steak taste like? And so I have here, I have top sirloin. And uh, this, this is a, a piece of top sirloin. It's about, oh, 22 ounces. He had to get and, the big uh, one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so CJ on Twitter says, whatever you do, don't season it. I read about a power lifter that eats a steak like this because it's the only way to get protein and calories in time-efficient manner. He said seasoning the meat makes it way worse. So naturally, I didn't see this before I put gobs of Montreal steak seasoning on this Would thing. Would you so. ever not season your steak? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. So I have the steak cut up. Uh, I went kind of medium rare. Normally, I'm more of a rare steak guy. Uh, we're doing top sirloin. Figured that's kind of lean. You know, this is this bulk protein here. So we're going to throw that in the blender. And uh, we're going to see what happens. I don't know if this is going to get liquefied enough, guys. Yeah, what kind of liquid are you before? using? Yeah, I mean. Well, I have water. I have some iced tea. And I have <laughs> some, some brown ale. Um, my kids want to do the taste test, too. Uh, you may see them pop in here in a minute. Uh, so, obviously, I can't use the beer yet. But... Uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna give this a shot though. I, I have a. I would it be crazy to add like a little milk or something? I think milk would be the worst possible thing. You think <laughs> so? No, I, I don't know. I think water probably protein on protein. And I, I have I, I have water. So let me let's, let's hit make start. Need to get some water in there right now. Well, let's yeah. let's hit start and see what happens, and then we'll add some water if it if it doesn't look liquid enough. All right, here we go. Oh, good lord. Yeah, we're going to need water. Yeah. Hold on. All right. We're going to stop the blending. Water here. 
And I don't know why you guys aren't on. I think you need a solid base. I think water is going to make it worse. All right, here we go. All right, I, I got my, my official taste testers here to help me out. Um, it looks like you need more water. Is it Maggie. pretty thick there? Hi. This is Will. Um, it is very thick. It is very thick. Let's let's see. Let's get a glob out and then see if we need to put more water in. It's got to be it liquid. Is, it's it's protein paste at this point. I mean, it's close. Yeah. It is close to liquid. What, what Maggie, is uh, what does it look like to you? Describe what you're, what we're looking at. Um. Hmm. Me after I have chocolate. You after you have chocolate. Yeah, what's in the toilet? Oh, good lord. <laughs> uh, it I does. Uh, our, I mean, it looks a I little like dog our food. Promo, our promo. Clip. Uh, it does look like dog food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dog food, cat food, something. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, I think this will pour. Uh -huh. I do think this will pour now. This okay. did get more gross than I thought why, it would, Max. This is way more gross is, than I thought. This it was is a be. lot. This is. Pretty pink. I, as, as I you thought would this fear. was going to be fun. I mean, this this looks awful. This looks. I mean, it looks like dog food. He made it more for, for the for the for the audio listener. This this looks more smoothie than than it does. Than it's a steak juice, smoothie. To be clear, it's a steak it's, it's, smoothie. It's pretty thick. All right, I am going to try it first. Okay. These guys are going to try it too. How are you supposed to drink this? It's just going to get like. You're just going to you're going to try it. All right. Here's to uh, football season. Cheers. Oh, I'll let you guys just experience. Oh, that's good. It's delicious. I'm. A <laughs> mm. I, the guys are crazy. What was Agent Martinez thinking? It, <laughs> it is steak in smoothie oh form. Uh, like um, it's coming up on your son here a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You're a texture guy. All right, all right. <laughs> we have a ruling. Two of three. Two of three staples recommend liquid steak. Steak smoothie. <laughs> One of three staples recommends steak smoothie. <laughs> don't I don't recommend. Steak but, all right, steak. taste testers, thank you for your uh, your yeoman service. This is a warm crime. But it is delicious. I now, I recommend this to anyone. So Andy Staples show steak smoothies. I I know there's there's other podcasts that have already put out open their own restaurants or put out their own food items. You know they have the ghost kitchens working, guys. Andy Staples Show and Friends steak smoothies. This is a thing that needs to happen. I can't believe this. Now I should I should add it. So Adrian, after he hated his initial one, he tried making one where he added au jus and he added Greek olives, and he said that mm. didn't make it any better. I, oh, Andy, well, you know I'm I glad went you on. You mentioned that, Max. So oh. I have here a can of Duke's Cold Nose Brown Ale from Bold City Brewery in Jacksonville. Okay, I feel like that would go very well. It, it you know brown ale pair, pairs pairs well with steak. So, so you're doing so this? Let's do you're, it. You're going to spin the wheel and throw wow. that in there or what? This is, yes, this was delicious. This I can't wait. Wow. I'm like actually disgusted with this. There we go. Yeah, keep it going. Keep going and make it like. We, oh, I'm going to let this out. roll with the beer. We're going to completely liquefy this. Dan Cundiff says, do we do a, a filet fish smoothie or what? <laughs> That will be, that's yours. That is all yours. Filet of fish, and we'll just dump tartar sauce on it to, to give it some, some God, liquid base. terrible. I don't know what it is about the you change actually, of. You're going to do the beer with the filet of fish? That might yeah, oh, here we go. Now we're talking. Mm. Kind of like, I don't know, beer soup? It's not bad. It's like so on brand that Andy would like that. 
because like he he's into like he loves steak so i'm not surprised that he liked it but like watching that was He's like two out of three uh, members of the Staples family likes it. His son's over here gagging. I, well, I daughter, love how he tried to hang in for a second, and then and then Maggie sort of, tried. Maggie really tried to hang in, and then it's just like, <laughs> so yeah. it's like, all it, right, well, I think this is the this is the best possible outcome for you, Andy, because not only did you conquer it, but I think you can use this as a dare and a bet with Ari. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred. This looks like the already, last thing Ari would ever want to drink. Yeah, that. I mean, I think I would rather do it than death chip. So we always have that. Like, I think I've already gotten to the top of the worst thing I could eat. But um, yeah, BL limes with filet fish for Ari. <laughs> Lucas said, "I'll do that." Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. That just kind of that one struck a chord with me. So I'm, I'm happy that you're a stronger man than I am. I, I, this tasted good. This is not shtick. This is not an act. You saw me with the mayonnaise. Like, if I don't like it, you know. So this is. But you blended something you love. That's true. But That's I true. assume Adrian Martinez loves steak as well, and he thought sure. it was the worst thing he ever ate. So maybe I'll blend the Dijon mustard with something. Oh, oh! But I thought the idea of with the Dijon mustard, and this is if if Alabama covers against Texas, you have to eat an entire bottle of of Bijan mustardson. Uh, I think the idea is to keep it from being all liquid. Like I, I would just. I would put it on something and just put put it on use so much of a volume of something that you get the whole jar taken care of. Mm. It's a right, lot of pretzels. I don't know if your did stomach. Did you see can where they're that. selling that mustard? By the way, Central Market, Central Market, baby. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I was actually at Ohio State uh, before we started recording this, and I was joking with Lathan Ransom about it, who uh, played. Uh, and I said, played "You gonna try him. yourself some some Bijan mustardson?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna get some for my boys." So. Um, you know, that's, um, let's just hope it doesn't come to that. But, you know, I told everybody at the Ohio, the media contingent at Ohio state about that bet. And they were just like, you are screwed. So it kind of makes me just want to hammer Alabama in that game. Yeah. Cause you, everybody you mean thinks the, was, the, the people who covered the team that Quinn Ewers played for last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess maybe there's a correlation for that. I don't know. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Nick Saban got paid today. Gentlemen got paid he's up to about 11 something million dollars uh basically he has a clause in his contract that if anybody is paid more than him they can just go revisit it and give him a raise we need these clauses how do we how do we get the athletic to give us these clauses and we just continuously get raises like max gets a raise then i get a raise then ari gets a raise then max gets a raise then i get a raise then ari gets a raise we need to make this happen like get jimmy sexton on the phone right now i see no problems with that idea do you max Agents, hit me up. Let's get this going. Yeah, <laughs> Agents, hit me up. It's, yeah. it, it's crazy. I, I did a thing last year when Saban's contract was extended again, and I, I compared out-of-state admissions and the amount of tuition they're bringing in from, from out-of-state students, out-of-state applications. There, I mean, there's a big-time Flutie effect going on since Saban got there, but also because Alabama has sought out more out-of-state students because they, they pay more than in-state students. And they do give some merit scholarships to kind of get them get them to campus. But even if you take away the amount of money they give out in merit scholarships to get those out-of-state students, you can still probably attribute about $100 million in, in revenue to Nick Saban that has nothing to do with the athletic department. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> I 
I just don't want to talk over anybody. Am I, am I free? <laughs> am I free to go. go? Go. You know what? Do it. You know what? The amount of money thing, the amount of money thing isn't interesting to me because right. it's like it, the, the most interesting thing to me is that if you compare what he's getting paid to other coaches that are in the same ballpark, it almost seems like a bargain, which I oh, think yeah. a lot of, I don't know if other people, everyone's always freaking out about how much they make, but just like when you think about like what Michigan state and Penn state and other schools, Ohio state are, are paying their coach. And then you compare it to literally the death star of, of right. all coaches. It's not that much more um, money from from that standpoint. But the thing that I thought was most interesting about it is, and maybe it's a recruiting thing or, or whatever, but um, everybody's always talking about, well, when Nick Saban retires, what's going to happen to college football? It's like, that was an eight-year deal. Isn't that the thing? <laughs> it's not how much he's getting paid. It's how long he's coaching, isn't it? I think it probably if you are someone else in college football, someone else in the salary neighborhood of Nick Saban, who is expected to uh, supplant Nick Saban at some point. Yeah, I I think you're scared because you're like, crap, this is never going to end because he'll be what? 77 at the end of that contract. Is that what is it? 78. Yeah. You know, which actually, you know, there's been people who have coached, you know, he doesn't seem for a second like he's slowed down in anything that he's doing ever. Yeah, how, how like how old does he seem to you at this point? You know what I mean? Mid fifties to me. Yeah, yeah, and and there it it actually appears he's gotten younger in the last five years. I don't know if there's like a Benjamin Button thing going on. You know, it's it's weird, but that would that would terrify me if my job was to win the SEC or you know like if you're Billy Napier, if you're uh, Brian Kelly, if you're, or if you're Lane Kiffin, or if you're Sam Pittman, and you got to deal with this all the time, <laughs> like you got to deal with him every year, every year. I don't know about you guys, but I do seem now. like a lot of what's going to happen when Nick Saban questions were popping up in mailbags and stuff. Like it seemed more prevalent of a thought, and I don't know if it's just because, um, you know, he's getting up there in age on paper. But you know, this is I thought to me, it's like wow, eight years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and we get that question all the time because I think people just want their team to have a chance. And if Nick Saban's still coaching, they don't. So it's it's wild. Now are but, but I feel you, like if you're like the coach out there who wants to who covets the Alabama job, you want to be the next guy to Alabama or whatever. I, it's almost kind of like succession or something. Like you just don't like how how do you know when the old guy's ever actually gonna step down? He's too powerful. But and listen too, like if you have till you have eight more years. What is the over under for national titles won in those eight years? Three and a half? Is that the fair number? Probably. Yeah, because it's especially considering the fact that they're definitely the odds on favorite, in my opinion. I don't know what Vegas is saying, but they're probably going to. Why wouldn't they win it this year based on everything we know about Alabama football? They've got the best player on offense and the best player on defense and Nick Saban. Like, okay. Shut the book, like what? Like, right? Uh, you well, know, well, well, like let's put it in like dynasty terms, right? Or like like video game terms, like how yeah. many fifteen and no seasons do you need before you get bored with it? Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. And it's like he's the thing I admire about him is that I don't think there's enough. I don't think he would ever get bored with it. No, right? And and we see these changes in the game, and it's like, oh, this will chase him out. And none of it chases him out. It energizes he's, him. Yes, yes. No, he loves it's, recruiting too much to get tired of it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of like the 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 Benjamin Button thing. I had an ex girlfriend in college whose grandfather golfed every single day. You know, up and he lived. He was alive. You know, ten years ago at ninety three, still playing every single day. 
And I admired that because I thought if there's something that drives you to get out of bed in the morning and it, it occupies your attention and you genuinely love it, it keeps you young. And coaching is far more grueling from of an activity than golf. And if this is the thing that truly energizes him to get out of bed every morning, he legitimately could coach till his mid 80s or more. Like, seriously, it could happen. Like, why well, wouldn't it? Maybe he becomes more of a CEO than he is. But why Why not? Well, and, the, and like to go back to recruiting, like, you know, this is a guy that loves it. This is the reason why he he wins at this level. I know there's lots of coaches that when they get out of it, they're they're relieved. They don't have to make phone calls and send those texts anymore and mess around with all that stuff. I imagine that's part of it for Nick Saban is you would just get that itch to keep doing that because you're so good at it. Well, and we talked to, to John Talty about his book. And I, one of the more interesting things I thought about uh, thought in his Saban book was like when when they do their recruiting board, basically the top 15 targets or so Saban's like, those guys are mine. I got mm-hmm. those guys. And now the he coaches, usually gets most of them. You know, what's the thing, too, that seems to be more most grueling about recruiting? It's getting on airplanes and making in-home visits and all the travel and stuff. But the rules that are, are probably going to be coming in place make it more friendly to be a head coach. Less time on the road, mm-hmm. uh, more leeway of potential recruiting staffers going out there. Like in a few years, the coach might be on the road way less, which would be something else that you could take into account because – you know, flying all over the country, I think would be very taxing as you get into your eighties, obviously. So do, um, do you think it would be the rules that drive him out someday, Andy? Do you think it would be this all these giant changes from what he's used to? Do you think that would be the thing that eventually you get you get tired of things aren't the way they used to be? If if there's something that that keeps him from gaining an advantage that where he cannot that there's he can't overcome it. There's nothing that his ingenuity or his hard work or you know work mm-hmm. ethic can do to overcome it. That I think would be, and I think that's what the why he sounded the alarm on the NIL stuff because he can't create more rich people in Alabama. Like, there will not be more rich people in Alabama than there are rich people in Texas. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So that's the thing he can't control. Everything else he's had control over, he's been able to exercise some degree of control. So that's the only thing, and that's what Aaron Suttles, our Alabama beat writer, said, is is that was the only thing that kind of gave him a little bit of pause as far as, oh, this guy will coach forever, is it's kind of the one thing he can't really control. Right. It's a good point. So we'll, we'll see. But are you were visiting with a program today that is expected to compete with Alabama on the national stage that's compe- expected to compete for national championships every year? You were in Columbus, saw the Buckeyes, saw Ryan Day. Where are they at? Yeah, I spent some time with Ryan Day in his office uh, on Tuesday. And, you know, I think that this is a very critical time for him, you know, because if you actually think about the way things played out for him his first two years, you know, they made the playoff and lost in a heartbreaking fashion that, um, you know, if a few breaks go a different way, they might win that game and play LSU in the national championship. And then the next year they make it to the national title. They didn't lose a regular season game till year three. You know, it's like, I think this is the first year where he's going into it, where he faced any sort of scrutiny at all. He had to make wholesale changes in his staff um, and all these things that a head coach has to do the hard things, you know, for the first time. And people forget that he was a first-time coach. So, you know, he, he kind of gave the, the spiel about the 11-2 and two and won the Rose Bowl, and that's a bad year thing. But he knows it was a bad year, you know? So um, I, I feel like he is is kind of still coming into his own a little bit about, like, where he is and, you know, the program that he's at and facing 
you know, challenges for the first time. He told me he got heckled in the grocery store after they lost to Michigan. I don't know why he still goes to the grocery store, but the man does. Um, <laughs> how, you know, how, just, how existential a threat is a loss to Michigan? Because I, I was talking to, to Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch the other day, and he made the point that it feels like the end of the world to the people in Columbus when they lose to Michigan, but yeah. maybe it doesn't necessarily feel like the end of the world to the Michigan people when they lose to Ohio State. Yeah, well, the thing about that loss is that the last two coaches that were at Ohio State, both of whom won national titles, literally lever never lost that game you know trussell lost one early in his tenure um and urban never did so that is a huge deal so you know you know what it means to the people here that's the part that it, i mean because it feels like the way they lost that game was where it is it's the way going in on ryan day mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know and the thing that he had to do and the number one thing that um Urban Meyer was criticized for during his his tenure was a reluctance to make staff changes. And, you know, the hardest part of, of being a head coach is making those staff, those staff changes because they're critical, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, of course, but somebody who can come in and fix your problem and Ohio state's problem wasn't necessarily the talent that was on the field. It wasn't, you know, I mean, I guess you can make a case that there were some schematic issues there, but they got, they were, they were uh, soft, you know, how do you make a team soft and how do you harden that team? You know, he had to make a wholesale change on his defense. So, you know, I don't know that they will beat Alabama, but they have the same offense that they've had. They got Trey Henderson in the backfield. They got CJ Stroud. They've got Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, they've got more talent on their offensive side of the ball than, you know, you can even make a case that they might be as talented or more talented on offense than Alabama is. So the question is the entire defense, which the, the staff is basically completely new. Um, can they fix those issues? And and it'll be very interesting because I like to think about a world where if Ohio State loses to Michigan again for some reason, or they don't make the playoff this year, that's two years in a row that Ryan Day didn't make the playoff. You know, and that that to me is when you start getting not that the guy's gonna ever get fired, he just signed an extension, but that's the danger zone here. Losing to Michigan, like you said, is that a big deal? It feels different than than the way that Ohio State has not met expectations in the past. Losing a playoff game or getting upset by Purdue and, and all those weird games that happened were, were definitely tough to swallow. But when you lose that game, there's a, a sourness to it that Ohio State fans literally have not really experienced for almost 20 years. Well, Ari, so, Ari is, is the – like what? how much – like from your, your time out there, what's the sense on just is this a pretty quick flip for Jim Knowles on the defense? Obviously, he didn't – he's kind of working with a group of coaches he hasn't worked with before as much. Like – there's obviously good talent at all three levels, but like, yeah. what's the sense of like, I, and I'm, I don't think you have to have a top 10 defense necessarily when you have that kind of offense to complement, but like, what's the, well, when you have that offense, on defense? I'll throw that back at you because I'm always curious to hear what you guys think. If you have the top offense or the second best offense, the typical Ohio state offense, where does your defense need to rank in total defense to win a national title? Probably in the in the upper third, maybe the upper yeah, because LSU twenty five percent. I think LSU was in the low twenties or 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 high twenties, low thirties when they won the national title a few years ago. Um, so that to me, I think is is they don't have to have a great defense; they have to have a very good one. Um, and with the players that they have, you know, the thing about it is that they made all these changes on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that for Ohio State. They have a lot of very critical players at all three levels, like you guys said, who are supposed to be very, very good. 
um, especially on the defensive line of JT Tui Maloa and Jack Sawyer become who they're supposed to be, then Ohio State's defense is awesome. So it's like there's all these questions about can you motivate the team right? Can you make the schematic changes necessary? How big of a flip is it? It's like how much does a coach matter when it comes to will these five-star prospects who are supposed to be first-round picks one day play like it? You know, and it's like, of course, it's the coaches. They need, they need to develop that, and they need to have, um, you know, the the right buttons and all those things. But also, too, it's on the kids to to develop and and be who they are supposed to be. So, you know, my understanding, like they asked Jim Knowles before I got here, well, you know, do you have any worries about the defense? He goes, no. So it's just like everybody here is like they're going to be awesome. And it's like, I, and I don't know. We're having a hard time reading whether that means they're actually amazing, or he doesn't know exactly that this isn't still water anymore like that you know so like it's uh and you can't just say things off the cuff without people diving into it so you know i think that with the talent that they have theoretically they always could have a quick flip i mean ohio state's defense had some major deficiencies in 2013 they go out and hire chris ash fix the defense they win the national title next year so um yes i mean it, it i don't know if they can flip it into a top five defense the way that ryan day and jim Knowles are talking but last year was embarrassing for their standards, and I think that it should be much improved from then. And like you know, the guy's got venom coming out of his out of his teeth when you know he thinks about Jim Harbaugh and he thinks about what happened at Michigan. And you know, their entire season two years ago um, was dedicated to beating Clemson after they lost in nineteen, and they got to play him again the following year, and they beat the crap out of him. I kind of feel like that's what is in the crosshairs for Michigan in terms of what their goal is. So, especially with what Jim Harbaugh said after that game last year about the third base comment that he made i don't know if you guys remember that oh yeah people heard that people cared about that yeah yeah people cared about that and you know it was kind of a it was just like a messed up thing to say i think you know um and it's what makes the rivalry great but like people heard that well that's when, when you've won one out of, i guess it was one out of five because they didn't play one of them that they would have played you still probably can't really chirp like that. I mean, I guess you can after that much of an ass kicking because that was a thorough ass kicking. I mean, the guy's been dormant for five years after he came out, uh, you know, walking like a like a stud that first year. It's like it's been bubbling out of him. I mean, he's probably been wanting to say that for five years or three years since Ryan Day took the head coaching job. So, you know, it's not necessarily about about that specific comment, but you know, Ryan Day is a very mild man. The thing I like about him is that he's a person. You can sit down and actually talk to him like I talk to you guys. And he's like responsive. He looks you in the eye. He's, like, he's just a good dude. But he is competitive as hell. And like, I know that drove him crazy. We'll be right back after these words. Well, and it's interesting hearing you talk about, you know, you mentioned, oh, no, he's not getting fired, but danger zone if they were to lose to Michigan again. And like, I can, I can feel certain SEC fan bases going, yep, yep. And everybody else in the Big Ten going, why would you even think about that? Like, yeah, well, it's just a culture. Ohio State operates on that level of you better be moving toward a national championship or winning a national championship. Those are the only two acceptable options. Of course, it's been a decade almost. I mean, think about what they had in 14 and 10 years have gone by in the classes they've signed since then, and they haven't won one. And it is just a stark reminder that Nick Saban has made winning national championships so looks so easy that we forget how freaking hard it is it's incredibly hard it's incredibly hard to win a national championship i mean and you guys talked about him plenty over this offseason but i mean the obvious parallel is lincoln riley right because that's a very similar deal of taking over 
for a coach that's, you know, won a national championship. And, you know, as time passes, like, yeah, if you if you don't take that thing all the way, then how did people talk about it this offseason? They said it got a little bit worse every year because you're going to the playoff, but it wasn't – you're just judging it by mm-hmm. what was the mm-hmm. result of that playoff game. And that's how it is at the highest level. And so I'm not saying – like I don't know, are is is the danger here just that you get stuck in that ten and two, you know, you get kind of stuck in that zone of you're really good, but you're not you're not on the par of Bama and Georgia. I mean, well, they've what, been really what do you do good in that situation. They've been really good and not on the par, on par with Alabama for for ten years. I mean, honestly, and and they know that, you know. And I think the biggest thing about that, and I've always wondered this even back when I was on the beat, was Alabama does recruit moderately better than Ohio State, but for the most part, they bring in very similar classes on an annual basis. And they produce draft picks in a similar and fashion. Ohio State plays a much easier schedule. I mean, if you look at Ohio State's schedule, they have some marquee non-conference games, but they don't play a team that could that should beat them when they play. Right. And maybe the truth is the tr- the same is true for Bama, but on a much higher scale because they're that much better. Well, that, that, and, that's what I don't the the bottom the talent level at the bottom of the SEC West. I think Sam Pittman taking over Arkansas was a really good example of that. Like I remember talking to Sam Pittman after he took over Arkansas. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. There are players there. Do not get confused by their record the last two years. They have talent. And you yeah. saw it immediately. Like, yeah, I mean, the bottom of the SEC, I think, is better than the bottom in the middle of the of the Big Ten. Now, maybe not Vanderbilt. You know, there's certain, right. you know. But I, I think but that there's too is, many programs that can recruit at a top 30 level in the SEC. Yeah, like Arkansas is in the basement. They they average like top 25 classes for the four yeah. years before he got there, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, you look at... at the team like Wisconsin doesn't even average top 25 classes and they're the best team in the big 10 West. So you look at the thing that is most interesting to me. And I was going to make this point was that Saban is just makes it so automatic. And like, when you look about how many times Ohio state's missed the playoff since 14, not, not even just not winning a national title, but missed the playoff. You could make the case for the most underperforming team with the, the talent that they have on their roster in terms of what what's on the other end. And the question that I've always had, because this is natural ebb and flow of a program is what is in the, the, the cocktail in Tuscaloosa. What is the tangible thing that is occurring there that makes Alabama so consistent, good, consistently good every single year, because no other program in the history of my lifetime has ever been this good, regardless of coaching turnover and, and regardless of who leaves the team. Right? They, you know, they don't have about, a, they don't have an Iowa game in seventeen. They don't have a Purdue game. They in don't 18. have that. Like, they don't have those games. When and they like lose last to somebody, year, they're good. When they lost in the national championship game, and he said it was a rebuilding year, everybody laughed. But look at what the guy's done. Of course, it was. You know, as, as ridiculous as it is, as people think it is to say that eleven and two and a loss to Michigan and a went Rose Bowl win is a bad year for Ohio State. Not winning the national championship at Alabama is a bad year, and I and I just have always wanted to know. And maybe the answer is just Nick Saban's an alien. But I, <laughs> like, if I had like you know, when, if you pass away and you get to rise up into the heavens and you get to ask God three questions, let's just make the three college football questions right. One would be, what the hell's going on at Texas? Completely. <laughs> Why can't Texas win? That's good. I had to, I had to throw that in there for Max. <laughs> yep. But what is the tangible secret? What is the secret sauce that Alabama has that separates them from Ohio State and other programs in that sphere, specifically when the other teams are like Clemson and Ohio State that don't play schedules nearly as challenging? 
it's it's absolutely insane. And and like I I think that like you're like well there's a small gap. There's a huge gap between Alabama and Ohio State. It shouldn't be that big, but it's big. It's huge. It, and it's so huge that they've neutralized that they can have a revolving door of coaches in their building. Right. It doesn't matter. And, and and sometimes almost on purpose. Like that, Nick will be like, huh, I want to change things up a little bit. So uh, mm. I'm going to get you an NFL job and then you're going to leave. And then you're going to get a coordinator job. Over oh, you here lost leave. two recruiting battles. I think you're out of here, right? Yeah. I mean, like the standard there could be as high as he wants it to be. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like the only thing that he could possibly do to improve what he's done is win it four years in a row. <laughs> because winning it two two years in a row would just be on par with what's been going on there already. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like this eight-year deal to, to weave it back into that. If he wins three more national titles, nobody will ever do what he's done ever again. I don't know that anybody's ever going to do it anyway. Anyway. But, you know, I, I was thinking about it, Max. Your alma mater in the 90s, if the ball bounced a little bit differently a couple times in 1996, Nebraska may win four in a row. Like, they may go 94, 95, 96, 97. I don't know if we're ever going to see that again, but if we are, it's going to be from Nick Saban in Alabama. Yeah, I, I think you're <laughs> I think you're probably right. I mean, what... Who Like, who who else could? And he's in, doing in, in the next 10, 20 years, who else could? He's doing... It in a conference where seven of the top ten teams in the recruiting rankings live. Right. It's not like he's making the playoff playing in a conference where they're double digit like Ohio State's double digit favorites in like eleven out of their twelve games every year. Or or yeah. Clemson once Florida State fell off did not have that yeah. superpower. Like, all right, how many anymore. like you saw it last year because I, I listened to your podcasts throughout the season and, and I remember especially after Oregon being like, All right, there's just a bunch of games here where we're not really gonna find out. How, yeah. how real the fixes are and stuff. So, so like Ohio State has to turn it on for how many games a year in the regular season? Like really turn it on. Two. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and what would you Michigan? say for Alabama, Andy? Uh, I would say because they always pick, they seem to always schedule one in the non-conference that they have to try. Mm-hmm. So they got that one, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. And like we said, if you're talking about having to play against top 25 talent, they're going to play three more games against top 25 talent that we didn't mention. Like Ohio State gets to play Rutgers, and maybe Alabama has years where they play Vandy. But Ohio right. State gets Maryland and Rutgers every year. But so, so you, some years, Alabama lucks out by getting Kentucky, which is good. Like Yeah, like that's the luck out year. The yeah, top yeah. 25 team. Kentucky's I think good. <laughs> So, so you know, it's there just uh, really aren't that many cruise control games, which makes the it, it makes the dynasty even more impressive. You know, I, I've revealed the stat I think on this show months ago, but I'll tell it to you, Max, in case you didn't listen. But if you go look at Urban Meyer's record at Ohio State in seven years, I think he lost nine games total or something like that. If you go look at the games where the spread was like seven or less, or games where the team on the other sideline had similar talent. Mm-hmm. He's 500. Like, if you go actually, like, break that down. So, like, and I'm not trying to belittle the man. You know, he's yeah. obviously a great coach, and they won national championships, and he he changed the entire paradigm of Ohio State football. But it's not that they have a lot of games in there. Yeah. That, I mean, like, he, oh, Ryan Day didn't lose a regular season game till year three. And it's like, that's super impressive. 
but how many games in the first two years that they play that they could lose? Let me ask you this, this guys. This is this is what Saban does. To everyone though, all right. This is uh, it's yeah. it's the line. Comparison is the thief of joy, and everyone just looks at Bama and says, "Man, we freaking suck by comparison." We've well, yeah, and everybody in Ohio has actually resigned the fact that they're not Alabama, which is insane because the, 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 they demand excellence and they want to be the best program, and I think they have the tools to do that. But there's a certain resignation that the sport has collectively done that just said, you know what? We're all playing for second best here. So we've spent the entire offseason talking about all this money that's going to come into the Big Ten. Will that money make... Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, you know, Rutgers, Purdue, Nebraska, Illinois. Will it make those programs operate at a higher level? Will it allow them to operate? Will they be able to collect the kind of talent that mid-tier SEC programs collect? And then suddenly Ohio State is challenged. On I mean, a weekend, week out. Do you think that money's about a problem? That at- money not into sparkly fountains and stuff, but into actual talent. I either way, however you want to play it into into hiring hiring and retaining coaches. Because remember, we are only nine. Was it nine years removed from Brett Bielema leaving Wisconsin for Arkansas because Arkansas would pay him enough to keep assistants he wanted to keep. I mean, the Big Ten East has that should never happen again at a Big Ten school. The Never. Big Ten East has $300 million head coaches on contract right now, right? Um, between Ryan Day, uh, Mel Tucker, and James Franklin. And I know that Harbaugh's contract isn't as long right now, but he's in that same sphere. Right. So and it's, I don't it's know. Guaranteed. And, I'm, and I'm sure you can talk on this more than me, Max, but I don't know if the money is the issue at Nebraska. You know, I think that they're doing okay financially. Yeah. You know, you've got. Yep. So like the Big Ten's been situated and it's like if, if the tide rises on, on the Big Ten side, isn't that also going to happen with the SEC when they reach their their media deals too? So, you know, I, I don't know if, if everything it's just like I don't know what Ohio State, what else they can invest in. Ohio State is doing what they need to be doing. When are the other ones going to act like Ohio State? That's what I'm asking, because. What happens in the SEC is Arkansas trying to act like Alabama, Texas A&M trying to act like Alabama, you know, LSU already acting like LSU, Florida acting like Florida, Georgia acting like Georgia, Auburn acting like Auburn, Tennessee acting like Tennessee. Like, when are they all going to realize what is Ohio State doing and why don't we just do that? That's what I I look at people with six packs and I say that to myself all the time. (laughs) <laughs> what are they doing that I'm not? <laughs> How long would it? But take? they have the money to do it. it. Like I don't think it, I don't think I could do anything to get a six pack. I I used to say the same thing, and I, I, I might get one eventually. I don't know that even if I was perfect for five years and I worked out like a demon and ate perfectly, that I would have a six pack at the end of the. You road. would be you would be shocked. You would be shocked. Just keep keep plugging that stuff into the app. Yeah. You're going to be shocked. Yeah, I don't. I just like, yeah, it's just like nice to say out loud, you know. But what can no, Ari do to get a six pack and what can Iowa do to be Ohio State? Those are the two but, questions uh, I want to Seriously, that is, and maybe it isn't. Maybe there is Wait, nothing. Did you ever give the rest of, of your questions, Ari? Your he, big said questions? That, he said the three questions, let's go. He didn't revolve the, the, re, uh, reveal the other two. You What's in the secret? Texas, no, Ohio State, or Alabama. Two. What's the third question? 
the you know i actually um would love to know what was the th- i forgot the third one let Did me tony me. soprano <laughs> die at the end of the sopranos he absolutely died at the end of the sopranos i know i think he i think they've said that yeah um is it a non-football related question because i've got a lot of them any question you what all right I feel like this should be its own episode, but we're too close to the season, so we can't. We got to actually talk about football the whole time. Uh, yes, however many questions you would like to ask God about well, I've anything. Got so many. If it's non-football well, related, is the rest of the show my let's, question? Let's, let's roll. I want to hear a few of them. Um, what were the Phoenix lights? Okay. You remember the Phoenix lights? No. No. <laughs> All right, boys. <laughs> you got something to Google when the show's over. Is that over. Amari Stoudemire? When I was a kid... Or? When I was a kid in in Phoenix, growing up, there were three mysterious lights that came over the valley oh. that were that were soundless, and it was like up for mm. hours, and mm. everybody in the city saw it. Mm. Well, those were aliens, yeah. of course, and then it disappeared, it vanished. Yeah, and then like Ari, there were a bunch of those articles. Were aliens? Next there were, question. There, were a, there was a bunch of articles about like I was a because there was a lot of you know out in the desert there they had like H bomb testing areas and stuff. That it was a government vehicle. Government testing, kind of yes, the usual. But BS it was like answer. the size of a football field. And I didn't see them myself, but my parents saw it, I think. And I just like want to know what the hell was that? Do people All just hundred percent right. agree that's that's UFO? There's a lot connection. of people. It's it's like a whole con- it's a whole thing. This happened in the nineties. You gotta go okay. you gotta you go they're testing H bombs. There could it could it have been some like classified government military vehicle that they were the size of a football field without making any noise, standing in place in one spot for an hour and a half? That was made by aliens. Listen, I I go to sleep watching ancient aliens. In my okay, next so life, you, I want to come back as an ancient astronaut theorist. It seems like a better way to make a living. Yeah, yeah. And there's other there's other things like ancient aliens that I could go into too. Like I'm fascinated by that stuff. Believe it or not, I'm in on that stuff. Um, no, Ari, I, of course I saw you Nope this summer. Are you saying nobody got sucked up into the uh, the lights during that period of time? <laughs> what, what did you see this summer? Nope. Nope. It's a great movie. No idea what that is. Okay, all right. I'll get there, though, I bet. But nobody disappeared during the sighting? No, no, I don't think so. But Nothing it's a, it's a whole is, thing. Nope like, is the Jordan, the new Jordan Peele movie. I think, it's the most, yeah. I think it's the most publicly viewed alien conspiracy, Like because everybody in the city saw it. It wasn't like a mm-hmm. nutbag who said, I, I tell you, I saw that in the field. You know, by myself out there in, in 1977, I swore the entire is, is city everybody saw drinking it. in Old Town Scottsdale looked up and was like, holy crap, yeah, what is like, that? Holy, it honestly is, I cannot believe you've never heard of this. So it was like, I, in my childhood. And they all took out their Palm Pilots, so they couldn't, they couldn't take a picture. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it was in the 90s. It happened in the 90s. I was a kid. They went so, on AOL. You know, you've I, got to, mail. To this day, like, I've I've always wanted to know. Somebody must have processed their disposable camera picture and got a good picture of it. <laughs> There's right? a bunch of pictures of it. Yeah, go. Look. I'm going to look it up right so now. Can you the drugstore? Can I send got, it to you? Andy? Maybe they got doubles. Send, send it to us. Yeah. I'm going to send it to the Slack, and I want you to put it up on. It wasn't here. Someone's got to have a Polaroid of this. Andy, if I send it to you, can you put it up? I can try. Okay, it's sent. All right. I'm if you fascinated. type in Phoenix Lights into into Google, like there's like there's live shots from the news of it all right i I, i'm looking at it okay i mean yeah so this is like the size of a football field you say yeah and it was and it made no noise very interesting i mean it is like do you believe in aliens 
Uh, I I just think there's too much stuff in the universe yeah. that there's yeah. not some yeah. life somewhere else. In college, uh, and full disclaimer. Can, can I see this picture, Andy? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. trying. Uh, th- this is not uh, to me. Technology is right? not helping me right now. I there. should have done it in the group chat. That's my fault. But in college, I watched this video, uh, and I wasn't exactly sober. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've all been there. But there was a video that um, was like a scale. It's on YouTube if you haven't seen it before. And it puts like Earth on a conveyor belt. And then it goes to the left and it is to scale how big Earth is in comparison to other things. And then I think I read a stat somewhere of the known universe that it takes 17 million light years or something to get to the edge of the universe. Think about how fast. Ari sent the smallest image possible. I'm just getting them off of Google Images, guys. <laughs> so there it is. There's there's the Phoenix lights. Those I mean, little tiny lights Phoenix if you're watching a live like, stream of this. So think about the speed of light, how long it would take 17 million years of light to travel to get to the end of the galaxy. Well, 17 million light years means it takes 17 million years for light to travel that. Do you know how far that distance. is? That is a that is a distance that you can't even compute. No. I yeah, I couldn't fathom. So to think that we're the only the only life in all of that is arrogant <laughs> for sure yeah it's just math it's just math for me like it's yeah again numbers i can't compute that many galaxies that many systems that so many planets are, that are, many are on this picture are we talking about one big thing we're we talking about a bunch of bunch of a bunch of individual things the, these it's lights. a bunch of individual lights that you see but everybody who saw it thought that it was connected by one people thought it was object. an outline of something yes Okay. And it was up there for hours. It wasn't like it was like, well, we saw that and that was it. Um, you know, I would like to know who the, uh, cool. the Zodiac killer was. You know, the Zodiac yeah. killer. That'd be yeah. a good one. That would be. Uh, there's a lot of people who would who would like to know that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, there's also a um, there is a uh, rock formation in South America. And I don't know. Remember exactly what it is, but there it's made out of limestone or something. And the, the stones are like 50 or 70 tons. I definitely saw this episode of Ancient Aliens. Yes. And 100% it got saw onto that. that island like 3,000 feet above sea level. And the stone blocks that were up there didn't originate on that continent. I'd love to know how that happened. Like we're going down like a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, you know, like my questions for God. It's like, well, I guess, all, there's your Phoenix lights. There there's a go. better Thank image you, of the Phoenix That's lights. It, it, it looks like you're in a Walmart and somebody turned off the lights and the generator came on, but it was outside. So it's like a canned lighting, but in the sky. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. I mean, are you, they've got documentaries about this. Are you guys even remotely interested in that? Uh, not yeah. nearly as interested as you are. I mean, you got to also I, I remember would, too. I would be interested in uh, learning more about this. Sure. I mean, I was a kid when it happened, like in, in the city I was living in. So are you like going to ask God about the Chupacabra? I'm going to ask God, why does Andy think that liquid uh, steak tastes good? Liquid steak is delicious because it is just steak in liquid form. Steak shakes. Forget steak. Do you you think I would get, if I came out with a product called steak shakes, would I get sued by steak and shake? Mm, It's it's iffy. It's questionable. Yeah. Okay. All right. But based on that, so if you enjoyed that, do you think you would enjoy a blended burger? Ooh, I, I so I hate wet bread. Okay. So if you just blended the patty and then certain of the toppings, like the cheese and, you know, maybe some bacon, 
I definitely go for that. But maybe take I, one of the pat. Maybe take one of the buns out, but leave one in to get a little bit of bread. I don't want wet bread. Like what? Like what you saw? Where you saw my son start gagging because he's a big texture person. That would be as soon as the wet bread hits me, I'm done. I can't. Okay. I right. can't do it. So it and it's strange what our what our triggers are on these things. Like with mayo, for me, that was pure and visceral. As soon as it hit my my taste buds and my nose, blah. And but this, which I mean, it looks like dog food, and didn't Pretty bother nice. me one bit. And smells kind of yeah. like dog food too. How, and your stomach's fine. You, you know. Oh no yeah. Effect. No, I I would I would absolutely, especially Wild. if I were like I'll never be a bodybuilder or anything like that. But if I were and needed to, don't say never to. Oh, I will say never to that. I, Why? I I want to get a six-pack. I have no desire to be a bodybuilder. I have no desire to oil myself up and wear a banana hammock and pose for people. I smell a bit. Uh, no. <laughs> you would wear you're, a not, you're not very convincing on this. Um, <laughs> now, Andy, I, I do like to start a morning with, with a Chobani. Could you do this like a Chobani? Could you do the steak... Uh, yeah. It's almost like a yogurt that you start the day yes, with. Yes, absolutely. You put it in a little cup. In a little cup. Like I pull yeah. the foil off and then just. Yeah. I mean, really, what is the difference between this? Uh, I mean, it. well, like the packed tuna fish in a can. Mm-hmm. It's sure. not blended, but it, it, I mean, if you canned this. You should drink that it would, too. I mean, it would look like fa- you, would, like you know, it. It, it would look like fancy feast cat food is what it would look like. Yeah. yeah. But it's tasty. Who was D.B. Cooper? <laughs> I haven't watched that documentary. I assume that one was sweet. The Netflix it pretty, one. It was an interesting documentary if you I, want to I, watch I, four I watched hours of stuff. The D.B. Cooper thing is not quite... It's never really done it for me. That that whole mystery. Yeah. But, I, just think, I just think it's just like the balls that guy got had to have to just jump out of the back of a plane like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, and I then think we bury the money it. on a riverbank. God yeah. would just like tell you the guy's name is like really that's that's what you want to know like that's the, <laughs> that's the answer you need. His name is Mortimer Trappelstein. Right. And then yeah. Ari's like, care to elaborate? No, no, you just no, asked his name. No, you that's your got, question. What about you? Okay, I know we're I know we're going got, a little long here, guys. But what are your three questions? Uh, I don't know. See, I don't. I, I'm not don't watching enough. Is it bad names. that I don't think that deeply about anything? Maybe I'm just have a weird mind. Why? Why did you make Scott Norwood miss that field goal? Because that seemed kind of cruel. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I don't feel haunted by that many things. I suppose. Yeah, and, and I'm not a Bills fan. I just like that particular one seemed exceptionally cruel. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't think that deeply about stuff. I I I, I maybe that means I'm just not very smart. So. Yeah, Catherine, I mean, this yeah. is getting very existential. She yes, it is, the, Catherine. The, the, the note here, Catherine, who is like my favorite reader that we have. The lights also had the pretty bright, had to be pretty bright for them to be viewable from a major metropolis. This is this is great very point. true. It's a great point. Because the bigger, the bigger the city, the less stars you see out. I do have one more football question before okay. we go. I meant to ask you this yesterday, Ari, and I'm glad we have Max here because I want to ask this. And this is bonus football. Well, Max, Hoodie, did you listen to the podcast where we talked about the Heisman? No, I haven't. Are you a Heisman voter? Yes. Do you vote simply for the best player? 
or do you vote for the most outstanding story? I don't know. I've only had to vote for two, two or three years now at this point. Um, I'd say I kind of fall in the middle of where you guys are at on that. T- typically, I, I think that best player on best team is usually carries, carries a lot of weight for me, but uh, it's just got to be, it's just got to be really outstanding. I, and if you, if, if it's not best, best team, so be it. But I don't know. I, I always agonize over it. And part of it, I, I can go with gut a little bit more on it. I think one of those years, Ari, I think I had Dobbins in my top three just because I felt like whenever they played their biggest games, that guy, yeah, I think it was the year games. when those guys, it was when Chase Young and, and mm-hmm. uh, Fields were up for it, right? Um, for me, it's a little bit of big games. There's there's a couple different factors for me. Like I think I had, I had Will Anderson second last year. I think I had Bryce Young first and I was just freaking stunned that Will Anderson didn't go to New York. I thought that was kind of a miss by everybody, but maybe that's on me for not putting him first. Yeah. The question I have, because we're going over the BetMGM odds, and so they had the top 10 contenders based on the odds. So I'll, I'll read you the list. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Bijan Robinson, Will Anderson, Quinn Ewers, Dylan Gabriel, Travion Henderson, Anthony Richardson, DJ Uyunglele. So those 10. I'm going to give you zero juice on this. This is even money. One of those 10 or the field, what would you take? Let me pull up the list again here. I'm taking so, I'm taking one of the ten. You're taking one of the ten. I, I I say that two of the last three years, the field would have won. Like Devontae Smith and Joe yeah. Burrow would not have shown up on right. any of these lists for sure. The the in 2019. Uh, the thing about it is, is that if you're giving, and I don't know if this is a cop out, but if you're going to give me zero juice on bets that are four and five to one you know like that are actually within reason like i just think the smart play would be to take do you, do you think there should be juice on a bet like that on the field like what what would what do you think a casino I mean, it would still be plus odds because a book would give you that okay i mean i don't know i don't know if you took all of the top candidates and then you said the field which means you're betting on somebody to come at like jackson dart or something to come out of yeah and win it which absolutely happens all the time i think that just intellectually speaking you got to go with what we know which is that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are in the... You know, I, the- I feel like there are more proven candidates in the favorites, the preseason favorites this year yeah. than, than there yeah. were. you know. And, but last year, Young's name was among those. It was, okay, he's Alabama's quarterback. The last two Alabama quarterbacks have wound up in... Or actually, the last three, if you count Jalen Hurts, who did it at another school, uh, had wound up in New York for the Heisman even if they hadn't won, like it made sense that, that Bryce Young's name would be in that conversation. But it just feels like we've had so many years in the last decade that that person has come seemingly out of nowhere that I, I might go with the field. Well, okay, but if you take, all right, let's just say this. Let's take Bryce Young, Will Anderson, because we, I mean, do we all think Alabama's going to win it all this year? Yes, we do. We're all, okay. uh, we're all, all but, them. I honestly yeah. think it's okay. all but a certainty. Okay, so Bryce Young, Will Anderson, let's throw in C.J. Stroud, let's throw in Travion Henderson. You could throw there's in Jameer a, Gibbs. There's not a to Georgia this. player on here, right? Yeah, you could throw in Jameer Gibbs to this because he sure. probably will be a huge part of the Alabama offense. But if you take, if I say C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Travion Henderson, do you think there's like 
an 80% chance one of those guys wins it? You know what I mean? Like if you just focus See, on the no, teams you think are going to play for I'd national say championship. Hi- recent history says no. Recent history says yeah. there's not an 80% chance one of those guys wins it. That it's maybe closer to 50-50 or maybe below 50-50. I don't think, I mean, there's not a Georgia player on here. You could make the argument, Ari, if you if you want that that Jackson Smith and Jigba maybe has a better chance than, than some of these guys. You can maybe make an argument for Jameer Gibbs, but like I don't know if they necessarily have the wrong guys from the best teams on here. Well, right, yeah. and and Dylan Gabriel and and DJ Uyengale makes sense because those are teams that could be good playoff contending type teams. Yeah, and they're the quarterbacks. And if they if they are good playoff contending teams, their quarterbacks are going to play well. Now with Clemson. We don't know. Is it is it DJ? Do they do they wind up looking at Cade Klubnik? You know, does Cade push DJ to be better? Uh, the Anthony Richardson thing on the list to me seems like if he's a Heisman candidate, it's because Florida's won. He has caused Florida to win the requisite number of games. But I just I don't know. I, one of my favorite parts of this every year is figuring out who that person's going to be. Who Like the Devontae Smith thing. And it was funny because as that season was going on, I kept looking back and going, we should have seen this coming. Like the year before Devontae Smith won the but, Heisman. By the way, you he's can, on you a can team. razz me for this, but I, I voted for Mac Jones that year. I, 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 I understand that. I, I thought Devontae was the person who made that, that offense go. But what, what I was going to say is, the year before, Devontae Smith had led Alabama in receiving, I think, catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns on a team that had four first-round receivers. It had Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, Devontae, mm-hmm. and then who was the other? Was it Ridley? Which no, kind of wasn't. reminds oh, me Henry of... Henry Ruggs. Henry, Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Yeah. Reminds me so, of Jackson Smith and the Jigba being the leading receiver at Ohio State last year that had Olave and Wilson. Bingo, bingo. That's that's the one that I think they might have missed on here. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's he's a great value play for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that receiver is probably better than better, twenty to one. Yeah, I don't know what it is on here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If receiver is just a better better spot than running back, just in general position wise. And that may be a change in the game situation. It, that just may be how the game has changed over the years because, you know, for so long it was it was the running backs was almost like fantasy football. You just you, the running backs were first and then and then it was all quarterbacks. And now it feels like there is a little bit more differentiation and we have a, uh, something coming up and I won't spoil our picks, but we had the Heisman draft among us writers at The Athletic. And I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to say where everybody went, but I was shocked and felt kind of stupid because I didn't pick him high enough. You know, I wasn't one of the people who picked him. I couldn't believe how low Brock Bowers fell. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. blew that. That's a guy mm-hmm. on a team that could make the playoff who they kind of build their, it feels like they're going to build their offense around. Yes. That's I a mean, one higher than is that anybody has played his wow. position won the Heisman before? Leon Hart in the forties for Notre Dame, who was who was an end, which he played tight end and defensive end. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So it's like I, I mean, I he might be outstanding, but like, did Kyle Pitts even get a sniff for the Heisman? Right, and and we talked about that yesterday, yeah. where I had Trask, I think, second on my ballot that year, or maybe third on my ballot, and and looking back, Pitts probably was the thing that made that offense special, right. even more so than Trask, and. Right. 
I, I feel like I made a mistake there. <laughs> yeah. I. So so, where do you, do you buy DJ Andy? Not to not to spoil the draft, but you buy DJ as as like a he belongs. Not necessarily. On the top 10? I buy Clemson being a good team and being a playoff contender. I do not know if that's because DJ got them there, because Cade Klubnick pushed DJ to get them there, or because they wind up changing quarterbacks and Cade Klubnick gets them there. I don't know. I do know that that DJ. They didn't run him very much at the beginning of last season. I think the reason for that was they were scared. If he got hurt, they weren't real confident in what they had behind him. I think probably they're more confident in Klubnik behind him, and that may cause them to run him a little bit more, open things up. Because he's got a big arm, and he's a big guy. So he's not lightning fast, but he can do damage in the run game enough that if you're scared of him running, you're going to have to give him some one-on-one matchups on the outside, and he can he, maybe he can take advantage of that. Well, and as good as – you know, Andy, as good as Cade Klubnik could be, um, you know Dabo's going to stick with DJ as long as he can. As long as he can, but he's not going to – not to the detriment of them Taking having the season that they yep. should have. For sure. That, that D-line is nasty. Like the, that, that interior D-line especially is incredibly good with, with mm-hmm. Tyler Davis and Ryan Brisset. So I, I, I just – They'll do what they got to do. So whether that's DJ or Cade, they're going to do what they got to do. Whoever got Cade in that draft probably is feeling pretty good right now. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to that person. That's all I know. (laughs) Not to spoil anything. Thanks so much for hanging in with us. This has been a fun show. Uh, Thank you, uh, Ari and Max, for not throwing up while I was drinking steak shakes. Uh, Steak shakes, by the way, will be uh, bottled and on store shelves, hopefully within the next couple we i got to check the supply chain we got to figure out if we can make that happen and also whether steak and shake and what's the price point on your steaks here andy i mean come on the this could be a pretty expensive bottle on the shelves the top sirloin tonight was a uh was a a good deal at the old Publix. i want to say that they were on sale for like 3.99 or 4.99 a pound so it was was pretty good not not too bad supply supply issues there but i i I think it's got promise if (laughs) yeah if there's people like you that may be a little high it might be yeah. funny. Yeah. So, yes, it but hey, Adrian Martinez, thank you for the inspiration. You are tougher than anybody on this podcast and we can't wait to watch you play. Thanks for giving us a hell of a show. And we will talk to you guys on Friday, but Ari will talk to you on Thursday with Stars Matter. And by the way, if you're joining the Run Your Pool pool, which you can go to play.runyourpool.com/staples. Get your picks in this week. Uh, they have they have put these week zero games with the week one games, and but you you got to do them all. You got to do a bunch of games, so it, it won't be you just study the high profile games and you can beat us. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to get them all. So go to play.runyourpool.com/staples, sign up, and get your picks locked in before these week zero games on Saturday uh, for week zero and for week one, and uh, we'll get that thing started. But thank you so much for listening. It was a pleasure.